Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. Entitled, Tis the Season, Tis the Season. Now, Tis the Season is not just about Christmas, all right? Don't skip Thanksgiving, all right? Thanksgiving is still a holiday. Like, stinking Hobby Lobby's putting their Christmas trees out in July. Like, they've just skipped everything. Like, they skipped Fourth of July, Independence Day, my birthday. Like, they skipped all of that stuff, all right? And they just go straight into Christmas. And so Thanksgiving is still um, a holiday. And in fact, I understand that Christmas is Jesus' birth. But I think for Christians, one of the things that we have to understand is that Thanksgiving is very much an important holiday for us as children of God because it's something that we are called to do continually. And the truth is, is that thanks or thanksgiving or praise or whatever you want to call it is often something that we just think of one time of year. And I want to take you to Luke chapter number 17 today and uh, read you a story. It's a familiar story. As we start to read it, you'll, you'll probably recognize it. I love teaching on this at Thanksgiving and around this time of year because I think it's a perfect picture of what we as a society, um, how we experience thanks to God. And so Luke 17 is where we're going to be. And let's go ahead and let's begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says this, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So remember those locations. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but, there are, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I want you to go back and look at verse number 16 and verse number 17. Verse number 16, And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And would you read verse number 17 out loud together with me? And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? But where are the nine? If you think about the percentages of this passage, very easy to break down. Ninety percent were unthankful. Maybe not unthankful, but they were not thankful enough to go out of their way to show their thanks and to show their praise. Ten percent were thankful. Ten percent went out of their way to, to go and show Jesus Christ's thanks and praise for what he had done. And the reason why I wanted us to sing that song, What He's Done, is that it's very easy for us in the midst of this world and this society to forget what God has done for us. And so I want us to pray, and then I want us to really walk through this passage. And I want to give you three questions just to ask yourself 
about this idea of tis the season of thanks. If this is truly the season of thanksgiving, if this is truly the time to where we need to be praising God and thanking him for his goodness to us, then how do we evaluate that? What do we need to be doing? And so let's, let's ask the Lord to bless us as we look at this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your love for us, Lord. I thank you for your, uh, just your goodness and your kindness. Lord, may we be a thankful people. May we be a people and a group of Christians who see your goodness in our lives, who see your kindness in our lives. Lord, who see just exactly what you have done for us. Just as the song that we just sang uh, said, Lord, our future is heaven. And Lord, we count our blessings the ones that you've given us, Lord, the ones that we often take for granted. Lord, may we count those, especially this week, but may we be a group of people that are changed as a result of the thanks that we are giving to you. Lord, I ask you to give me the words to say today. Lord, help me to speak with clarity and with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks is something that is very intriguing to me. Um, I think that if you look at Scripture, one of the things that you find is that the thanks of God's people is actually very natural. You read through a book like the book of Psalms and praise and the word thanks are used in there often. You read through the Old Testament and there were moments in the lives of the people of God where God did something miraculous and thanks was just very natural. It was second nature to them. They would build an altar. They would come up with some sort of form or, or way to praise the Lord. And yet what we find in Scripture as you go past the Gospels and you see that kind of play out in Jesus' life as well, that people were thankful for his work, when you get into the epistles, as Paul begins to write about what the last days will look like, about what people, how they will respond and how they will look at society, and it talks about how that they will heed to themselves teachers having itching ears and that they'll want to hear fables rather than the preaching of God's word. It's interesting to me that tucked right in that passage is the condemnation that they will be unthankful. They will be unthankful. Meaning this, we hear a lot about that we are living in the last days because of the fulfillment of prophecy that we see happening in our world. We look around and we say, well, we're living in the last days because look at all of the people who are heeding to themselves, teachers having itching ears, and there's people that are drawn more to storytelling than they are necessarily Bible preaching. And so we use that as a, as a way to say, well, we're in the last days. But isn't it interesting that something that seems like that it is very insignificant in the grand scheme of our Christian life is actually a sign that we are living in the last days. Most of the condemnations of prophecy and of the last days are not toward the lost, but toward the saved. I want, you to, I want you to hear that again because I think sometimes we think, oh, the world's getting bad, so that means that Jesus Christ is getting ready to turn. No, what it is actually showing is that most of those condemnations are not toward the lost. It's toward the saved. Meaning this, we are the ones that so often will heed to ourselves, teachers having itching ears. We are the ones that will often show a form of power, but deny the, will show a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. We are the ones who are showing unthankfulness. And on a week like this, as we're called to be thankful, as we're called to thanksgiving, it's not something that is just a one week a year calling. It is something that should be a lifestyle for us. It is something that should be natural. It is something that should be a part of who we are. 
Because the truth is, is that right now the unthankfulness of this world is a key sign that Jesus Christ is coming back. So how do we solve that? I believe you see that in this passage. So I want to give you three questions to really evaluate your thankfulness and really get your heart thinking toward this this week. The first one is this. Where were you without Christ? Where were you without Christ? One of the great dangers of American Christianity is this, is that we believe that we can arrive where we need to without the help of God. That we could have done everything that we needed We just couldn't save ourselves, so that's where Jesus needed to step in. We could have come up with our own job. We could have found our own mate. We could have maybe made our own money. We could have done all of these things. We could have solved all of life's issues, but we couldn't save ourselves. So, well, I need Jesus for that. When the truth is, is that if you really step back and you think about what your life would be without Christ, I hope that you don't see that it would be the same and just, well, I would be headed to hell, so uh, everything else would be, everything else would just be the same. Everything else would just be hunky-dory. What were you without Christ? Now, I know some of you, you were saved at a young age, so you're like, well, praise the Lord, I don't have to know that. That is an incredible blessing, but please listen, okay? For you, it's not a matter of looking in the rearview mirror and remembering what you were without Christ, But it's a matter of looking through the front windshield and saying, what could I be had I not had Christ? Where would I be? One of my favorite songs is, Were It Not For Grace. And the song talks about, where would I be had it not been for the grace of God? Had it not been for just him watching out on over us, had it not been for maybe his protection, maybe things that I will never even know until I get to heaven. But in this passage, I want you to see this, that when these lepers look up, which Baylor calls them leopards, okay? She, and she says, what? They had spots. And it's like, eh, okay, I'll give you that, all right? But, um, but he says, Jesus, they lifted up their voice collectively and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And if it were not for the mercy of God, what would your life look like? What would your relationships look like had it not been for the grace of God? What would your finances look like had it not been for the grace of God? What would your life be were it not for the mercy and grace of God? And sometimes in the midst of thanksgiving, We're guilty of stepping back and saying, well, I'm thankful for my salvation. And we name that number one because that's the spiritual thing to do. All right. Like everybody rushes to that answer. If if we were if we were to say, all right, I want everybody to give me one thing that they're thankful for. One word like it would just be a race to be like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh, salvation. All right. right." And then everybody's like, if you say that, then everybody's hands go down like, oh, man, that one was mine. All right. And it's a it's it's what we like to say. But please listen to this. It's almost like once we get that one out of the way, then we start to say like the big stuff. Well, I'm, I'm really thankful for, my home, for a roof over my head. I'm really thankful for the car that I get to drive, for the job that I have. And please listen, we should be thankful for all of those things. But what overshadows them so much is the fact that you were a sinner on your way to hell. And Jesus Christ saved you from that. And these 10 men received a physical healing from Jesus Christ. 
but you and I received a spiritual healing from Jesus Christ that is far beyond our comprehension. And sometimes on a week like this, we want to look around at all of the, if you weren't in the 9 o'clock service, you'll hear about it in the 11 o'clock service, we want to look around at all the material blessings that we have. And you want to know something that I find so intriguing? Is that the same Christians on the other side of the country who have no material blessings to thank God for are still given the charge to be thankful. That in everything give thanks. And while you and I sit over here and we thank the Lord for our house, there's a brother or sister in Christ who does not have a house, but yet they still are called to give thanks for everything. That while you and I sit over here and say, well, I'm thankful for my car, there are people that are on the other side of this world who have to walk to their place of work and don't even know what they're going to get paid that week. While you and I are thankful for our church and our church building, please listen. There are Christians that gather in underground churches that still are called to say, I'm thankful for something. And we must be careful. Please listen to this statement and don't take it the wrong way, okay? We must be careful of only associating our thanks with the American dream and not what Jesus Christ has done for us. Thankfulness is not attached to the white picket fence and two cars in the garage and a full table spread on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is attached and thankfulness is attached to the fact that Jesus Christ saved your soul from hell. And on a week like this, my challenge to you is to at some point Find a quiet time, and I know that's hard, okay? If you do have a quiet time, it's probably because you had too much turkey and your eyes begin to go closed, okay? But after you wake up from your turkey coma, okay, find a time to say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. So first question is, what were you or what would you be without Christ? But the second question is this, have you ever turned back to thank God? Have you ever turned back to thank God? I want you to put yourself in the position of these 10 men, okay? They had no hope of change. Leprosy was not something that was going to get cured. Leprosy was not something that was going to change for them. They were sitting on the outskirts of the city. They were sitting there with really no hope of any sort of healing, and then Jesus passes by. The same is true for you and I in our salvation. Is that we were without hope. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. And Jesus passes by and he heals us. And please watch this, okay? It's always intriguing to me. And I don't know that I know why I've heard a thousand different assumptions of, of why. And I'm not going to add to those assumptions. I'm not going to give you a thousand and one, okay? But it's interesting to me that Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priest and that they would be cleansed. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus could have healed them at that moment. But he says, I want you to go. Some people have said, well, it's because he wanted to see their faith, if they would actually get up and do it. Some people have said, well, the priests are the ones who banished people outside the city, so they were the ones that had to make the call. Okay, There's a thousand different things for, for why he might have done it. He's Jesus. We'll just ask him about it when we get to heaven. All right. But it's interesting to me that the Bible very clearly says that they were cleansed on the way. Meaning this, 
I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if that with every step they took, the spots begin to clear up. I don't know if you know anything about leprosy, you understand that oftentimes body parts would, would begin to be rotten and eat it, eaten away from because, from because of this disease. So I don't know if things begin to grow back. I, I don't know, but it says that they were cleansed. And in the process of that, this is, I, I love this, okay? In the process of that, there was one of them who turned around and came back to Jesus. To the point to where I think that Scripture would even agree that he never even made it to the priest. And here's the application for that in our lives. Is that so many times God does something for us in the course of our day, and we never even take the time to turn back and thank him for it. There were nine, and we don't even know that the other nine ever made it to the priest. Those nine could have been on the way to the temple and they saw they're completely cleansed and they're like, man, bump this. I'm going home, right? I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go and do, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. I'm going to go to the market. I'm going to go, I'm going to go see my family. I'm going to go see my friends. I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to go do whatever. But there was one who took the time to say, you know what? Before I even go and show myself to the priest, I'm going to go and praise the one who healed me. And sometimes we have this outward view of Christianity to where, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Please listen. Take the time to turn back and prioritize your worship of your heavenly Father. I can promise you this, that sitting in your car for two, three extra minutes and thanking God for something before you head into work will change the way that you view your workday. I can promise you that sitting in your vehicle or maybe sitting in your office in a quiet moment and thanking the Lord for your job and for his goodness to you will change the way you view that day. I can promise you that sitting in, your, in the gym, I was going to say the auditorium, which by the way, you need to poke your head in and look at the auditorium. It's coming along, all right? We're getting there. But I can promise you that sitting in the gym and saying, God, thank you for this church. Thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for your blessings. I can promise you that it will change your perspective of church. But yet so many times we just kind of follow along like 90% robots, like the nine. Well, I'm supposed to go to the temple. I'm supposed to show myself to the priest. That we forget that it was the goodness of God that stepped in and changed that moment. So have you ever turned back to thank God for his goodness. And then the last question is this. Are you the one or the nine? Are you the one or the nine? A couple months ago, um, I, I hate writing thank you cards, okay? I'll just go ahead and say that out loud, all right? But I do it because it's the right thing to do, all right? But it, it almost feels like they... They make thank you notes too big. Like you have to fill, especially for someone who writes as small as I do. Like for some of you, some of you girls, like my wife, like she gets one sentence on a thank you card and she's like, oh, wow, I need more room. And it's like, really? Like I, I need less. Like I need them to cut them in half. All right. Or like just give me like a little like I, I need like a one by three note card is what I need. All right. But a couple months ago, I, was, I had run out of thank you cards, and so I keep them in my desk. And so I ordered a 36 or like 48 count or something on Amazon. 
And so every now and then someone gives me something or someone does something, I'll, I'll jot a thank you note. And if it's on the church side, I'll normally do it on my church letterhead. But if it's personal, then I'll, I'll do it from, the, from myself. And so anyways, I, I, I try to keep them in there. And sometimes when I open that drawer, it feels like that if I, I bought the 48 count and it feels like that I've only written like four. Like it's like, well, I got 46 left and I've had these for three and a half years, all right? But I wonder if God got a thank you note from us. If we rejoiced in everything that God had done for us and everything that he had given us, how quickly would we run out of those notes? And you see, for many of us, we look at that passage and we think, oh my goodness, man, 90%. What a horrible statistic, all right? If you watch sports, they always like these like very dramatic statistics, okay? Like the ones that you're just like, wow, this team is awful, all right? Or wow, this team is really good. And we read a passage like this and we're like, oh my goodness, 90% were unthankful. What a bunch of jerks. But if we were there, would the statistics change? Would we be in the nine or would we be, in the, be the one? Would we be in the 90% or would we be in the 10%? I would dare say that in a culture that was known for probably its thankfulness and it was probably much more thankful than, than we are as Americans in 2022, I would dare say that those statistics are probably somewhat true, if not even more skewed today. I think that if Jesus Christ came and did a miracle in today's world, that he might not get even the 10%. And yet when we look at that, we always preach about, man, the nine, the nine, the nine. And we're like, ah, boo, the nine, all right? And there's a good chance that you and I would be in the nine. And here's what I want you to see, okay? Please listen to this. That when Jesus Christ stepped in and changed these men's life, I guess it could have been women too. I don't know, it just says lepers, okay? When Jesus stepped in and changed their life, 90% never came back. But the one who did, please look at this. He says he calls him a stranger. And then in verse number 16, he says, and he was a Samaritan. Someone talk to me about who's the other person we see show up in Scripture that was a Samaritan. Woman at the well. John chapter number 4. When Jesus comes in and says he must needs go through Samaria. The Samaritans were spiritually confused people. They were what many people believed were half-breeds, okay? There was a lot of racism that was that was wrapped up in that we don't have the time to get into that today but there was a lot that went on and so jesus even says in verse number 18 he says there are not found that return to give glory to god save this what's the next word stranger he said someone who doesn't even really know who i am took the time to turn around and come back 
You and I as children of God know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus Christ has done for us. We know of his goodness. We sing of his goodness. We know our future is heaven. We hear songs about counting our blessings. And yet I wonder how many of us would be the one. The Bible teaches us that if we do not praise God, that even the rocks will cry out. And I would dare say that right now God is having to get a lot of praise from the rocks because he doesn't get it from us. God is having to get praise from someone who might not even know who he is. Who might not even know of his salvation. And yet they're praising a being that they don't even know because they know that something happened that was beyond what they could do. These men still had lives that they had to go and rebuild. This was not, this was not over for them. Can you imagine sitting outside of the city and being away from your family for how many ever years? Your family might have lost their house. You, you've lost your job at that point for sure. You have no way of making income. You have no way of making a living. Other, you've, you've made your living through begging for years. And yet in the midst of all of this, one of them turned around and came back. And nine did not. And what my goal today for you is in this lesson is that on the week that we say it's Thanksgiving week and we talk about turkey and we eat and we hang out with family and we watch football and we take big naps and we wear sweatpants to make sure that we can enjoy everything, all right? On a week like this, wouldn't it be great if there were a group of believers, a group of young adults, okay? Just last time you checked on our generation, your generation, all right, and I'm a little older than some of you, okay? But the last time you checked on your generation, not really characterized by our thankfulness, okay? But wouldn't it be great if there was a group of believers who just simply said, I'm going to thank God for his goodness in my life. I'm going to look at what he's done. I'm going to look at what I would be without Christ. I'm going to look at what maybe my past looks like. I'm going to thank God for what he has changed in my life. But not only that, I'm going to take the time to turn back. I'm not going to be so worried about following a, please listen, a holiday tradition as much as I am worshiping my Savior. Some people are going to wake up this week at an ungodly hour to make sure that their turkey stays moist and tastes perfect, okay? And yet they'll never take the time to worship the God who gave them the turkey. And there are some of you this week that you will enjoy time together, you will enjoy, you will enjoy moments with family, you will enjoy a time of rest, and I pray that you get all of that. But don't be so worried about doing what culture says that you should do, going to the priest, as much as you are concerned with worshiping the Savior who actually saved you and cleansed you. This week, don't be a part of the 90%.
be a part of the 10%. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. We'll ask. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cross Point Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.